The text is Esther, chapter 2, and verse 21 through chapter 3, and verse 11. We're considering the wisdom of God and our wisdom. What marvels, what surprises are unfolded in the book of Esther? We see one turn of events after another. And... Of course, it puts on display the wonderful care of God for his church. Things are introduced that uh, seem at first to be quite unrelated, and that it all comes together. Because, of course, there is a plan. God has a device in all that is happening. The narrator brings in things as they occur in history, and they... Uh, seem to have perhaps uh, no association or no importance with respect to the other things that are being related at the moment. But here we should see, first of all, the deep laid plans of God. God has conspired as to what the outcome will be, and he has arranged all the means to attain his ends. From man's perspective, it would seem that things are uncontrolled and out of order. The book begins by uh, speaking about uh, the uh, displacement of Vashti, the queen, who had displeased the Persian monarch. And so she had to be replaced by someone else. And it is Esther, the, uh, of the family of Mordecai, the Jew, who is uh, elevated to be the queen. And now, as this is going on, we read of this incident in which there is a plot against the king's life. And Mordecai is instrumental in uncovering the plot and having it reported to the king. And then the account goes on. This is the backdrop. This is the setting. But these things seem to be overwhelmed by what is now about to take place beginning in chapter 3. And this is the elevation of Haman, uh, the Agagite. And the unwillingness of Mordecai to bow to him and do reverence. And we find that as Others are expostulating with Mordecai, pleading with him, why do you not give the reverence to Haman when he has been exalted to such a high position by the king, and the king has ordered that he is to be reverenced, why will you not bow to him or show him reverence? And of course the rub is that Mordecai is a Jew. And when this is reported uh, 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 it is 
the explanation apparently of why he will not bow. And Haman is apparently of uh, an identity of uh, people uh, that are uh, uh, enemies, long-standing enemies of the Jews, perhaps of a Malachite background, uh, but it is apparently uh, the uh, the uh, antagonism uh, between uh, uh, these two peoples that is being now uh, exposed in this conflict between the two individuals, Haman and Mordecai. And evidently what is going on here is that there is a spiritual war that is going on. So that as in the book of Job we can see the spiritual war between God and the prince of darkness and between Job and the prince of darkness. And there is a great struggle going on and much of it is hidden even to Job's eyes. Job does not see the full scope of what is going on. That is at the heart of what is happening here. The 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 this uh, uh, more than simply um, uh, a pride on Haman's part uh, or stubbornness on Mordecai's part uh, but uh, the kind of conflict that is represented also in the unwillingness of Daniel and of and the unwillingness of Daniel to conform to certain uh, customs. And if Haman is indeed uh, of a Malachite lineage and uh, is the long-standing uh, spiritual uh, adversary of, uh, of uh, the people of, of God, uh, there is little wonder that Mordecai is not ready to bow himself or uh, give reverence and special honor uh, to this man. Uh, there is uh, some religious uh, reserve and there is some sense of spiritual impropriety apparently that is behind uh, Mordecai's um, uh, uh, resistance to, to Haman. And Haman breaks out then in this determination to obliterate these uh, ancient enemies, uh, the Jews. But all the while, as he goes to the, the, the king, having been elevated by the king, advanced uh, by him, in verse 1 of chapter 3, so that the king set Haman's seat above all the princes that were with him, and then Haman uses that place of, of influence to go to the king and to get all that he wants from the king for the destruction of the Jews. Verse 10, the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the king's enemy, the Jews' enemy. And the judgment and the authority and, and the control is being handed over into the hands of, of uh, the Jews' uh, uh, worst and most powerful enemy. It all seems uh, 
to be lost. So it was, of course, with our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord God had the most deep laid plans in his wisdom for the redemption of sinners, for the glory of his name, and the humiliation and crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. Uh, but his enemies warred against him, and even the disciples after the resurrection first say, we thought that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. What sadness and disappointment. And the church can always look and see the most damaging and the most difficult things that come upon us. And we seem to be pushed into a corner and seem to have all manner of circumstances conspiring against us to, uh, to press us down and to, to push us aside. But behold in the word of God the deep laid plans of God. And other things are, are, are in God's providence bubbling underneath that will come to the surface and that will be the circumstances that God uses for the undoing of the evil that is intended uh, against us. And here is Aster elevated to be the replacement after all the foolishness with respecting Vashtar. And here is the recording in the Chronicles of the King of the role of Mordecai in uncovering this plot, which eventually will lead the king at a critical moment. And he cannot sleep. And the chronicles are read to him. And he asks, what has been done to honor this man? Nothing has been done. Well then, let us do something for the honoring of this man. The Lord is already laying the groundwork for what is yet to come. Hidden from the eyes of Haman. It also with Mordecai, not knowing what will what, what, how things will be accomplished, though with, as we shall see, a confidence that things will be accomplished. Well, secondly, we should see here the shallow life of man, the deep laid plans of God, the shallow life of man, and the shallowness of man's life is seen here, of course, in what it was that Haman sought. What he was seeking in life, what was important to him, what were his, what was he grasping after, what was what was his heart set upon for his life, and what was it also, secondly, that he had to fall back upon when he came into trouble and into danger? What was it that he sought? Well, his heart was certainly swelled when these events recorded at the beginning of the third chapter are taking place, when he's advanced and his seat is set above all the princes that were with him and all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman. And how 
Verse 5, when Haman saw that Mordecai vowed not, Haman was full of wrath. What provoked his anger? His heart was so swollen. His sense of his own grandeur is on his own uh, worthiness to receive deference and praise and applause and to be to be uh, kowtowed to. And then in chapter 5 we read in uh, in verse 8 that Haman was invited uh, to join the king in coming to a banquet prepared by the queen. And verse 9, Haman uh, went forth that day joyful and with a glad heart. He was so, so taken that he was uniquely honored to be brought with the, the king to a banquet with the queen. What high honors being bestowed upon him. He was only mortified, verse 9, and his, his joy only departed when he saw Mordecai, the one who would stand out and not give him the honor that he wanted for himself. So what does Haman do? Well, he goes home. Uh, verse 10 and then verse 11 he, he's gathered his friends and Zeresh his wife and he spills what's in his heart verse 11 and Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherewith the king had promoted him and how he had advanced them above the princes and servants of the king What's in the depths of this man? He cannot restrain himself from boasting of and glorying in. And calls the circle to him who are his his closest, and he 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 he's exulting in these things because this is what he seeks for his life. Verse twelve. Then he says, moreover, yea, as to the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she prepared except myself. And tomorrow am I invited unto her also with the king. But only this I don't have. That Mordecai the Jew the Jew sits and doesn't stand and reverence me at the king's gate. The things this man seeks for. He's acquired so much, yet such a little thing can, can bring such desolation to his heart. And then in chapter 6, and at verse 6, when the king is desiring to honor Mordecai after reading of his reporting of the plot, Haman comes in and is unaware of what the king has in mind. And the king says to him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? 
Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than to myself? So he prepares the most ridiculous display of, of honor, thinking this is all going to be given to him. Let the royal apparel be brought, which the king uses to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. Let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man with all whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. What shall like a man? What does all of this come to? Perhaps you can go and find the grave of Haman somewhere. Probably not. Where is Haman? Where are all the things he he sought for in his life? And what does it all come to? Where is it in eternity? And what did he have to fall back upon when he came into difficulties? Because difficulties come to everyone. Well, the answer is that once Mordecai was appointed to receive all these honors that had been proposed by Haman, and Haman was the one that was supposed to go in front of, of Mordecai and went through all the streets of the city proclaiming, this is the man whom the king delighted to honor, and Haman comes back, humiliated, hasted to his house mourning and having his head covered. Sign of shame. Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had befallen him. Then said his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt surely fall before him. Did they have? Did they have some sense of fate? Some sense that there was that there was a power watching over the Jews? Some sense that they were done for. Things had turned against them. And here he is left with no resources absolute consternation where do they turn do they start burning incense somewhere do they start lighting candles while they were yet talking with him came the king's chamberlains and hasted to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared everything is moving swiftly now how shallow everything is with Haman here he is desperate with his wife and his family. He has nothing to fall back upon. What of Cain? What did he fall back upon? What about Esau? What did he fall back upon? Did he go back to the covenant? Did he go back to Isaac? What about King Saul? What did he have to fall back on? What about Ahithophel? What did he have to fall back on? What about Judas? What did he have to fall back upon? What shallowness and emptiness. 
And then thirdly, see here a responsible faith. See the faith of Mordecai. A responsible faith. Two things characterizing Mordecai. First is trust. And second is action. It's a great confidence on Mordecai's part. He believes that things are going to turn out well. God is with his people. First thing that he does, chapter 4, verse 1, when he perceived all that was done, he rent his clothes, put on sackcloth with ashes, he began to cry, and verse 3, in every province there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Happening, prostrating themselves before God and crying out to Him in their dilemma, in their difficulty. They don't have any thoughts about uh, having kings' crowns put on their heads and royal apparel put on them and someone going before them to proclaim, Here's the man who the king honored. They've come humbling themselves and Brokenness before God. But their confidence is in the Almighty God. And the God who has these deep laid plans. And Mordecai has the confidence that things are going to work out. He says to Esther, even while he's exhorting her to be up and doing, to intervene, he says, verse 14 of chapter 4, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Oh, who's going to care for his people? If you're not the instrument, God will use someone else. Look at this confidence in the providence of God. This is all the background of the Old Testament scriptures. Everything about God leading his people through the wilderness. Everything about God hearkening to the cries of the people in their days of bondage in Egypt. God remembers all these things. And Mordecai is remembering all these things. And he has this confidence and this trust. And it's a trust that moves him to action. It's a responsible faith. It's a faith that takes responsibility for acting. And so he's got this combination of, of a quiet trust in God and a, forward, a forwardness to, to be bold and, and, and take action uh, in the situation. So he, he sends word to Esther that she must intervene. And he warns her. Verse 13 of chapter 4. Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And here's a sense of historical calling. Here's a sense. We were, you were put here for a purpose. 
you're a part of the deep laid plans of God. God has arranged all of this, and you're one of the pieces in the puzzle. And He's put you there, and He's given you a mission and a calling. And it's not just a mission in the sense that you're called to the work of the ministry, or you're called to be a wife, but it's a calling in the sense of there's a particular historical juncture, there's a particular convergence of events in God's, God's providence. And right there at that moment, somebody needs to act. Somebody needs to do something. Who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Have a sense of responsibility. Mordecai has that sense, doesn't he? He's had this sense in raising Esther. He's had this sense in all that he's instilled in her. He's had this sense in the wise way in which he's guided her. He has this this uh, sense also now in the word of injunction to Esther. And there's a context for his whole life of faith and for his for his 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 uh, exhortation to Esther on this occasion. All along, he's been living this life of quiet integrity. He's been this stalwart for God, this this model of faithfulness. So he's responsible with respect to the community and the king, and he reports this plot against the king's life. He's responsible religiously, and he understands when it's inappropriate to give some special deference or honor to to Haman. He has a sense of his of how to conduct himself and of 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 this this life of integrity according to the law of God, and he's been walking in that through the years. And now it's all coming to this point of crisis. There's a godly life and a confidence in God's overarching purposes, God's deep laid plans, and there's there's now also a readiness to act boldly, to seize the situation, to step forward, and to do something. And Mordecai is ready, and 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 very forward to act himself and all the things that he could do. But he also sees that he has a relationship to Esther, who is placed in an even more influential play position. And so his responsibility is to exhort her and to charge her. And she follows his direction. And, of course, she has enormous confidence in him because of what she's seen in him as a parent figure to her and as, as a godly man, a man full of wisdom. And sometimes events can go on in our lives for some years and it may seem not much eventful is going on 
But if we're living a godly life, a responsible life, following the ways of the Lord, we're dealing with people, we are being prepared ourselves, and other people are being prepared for actions that will come some particular moment far beyond our our kin or devising far beyond anything that we had calculated the Lord has his deep laid plans the Lord finally delivers his people and brings an utter downfall of all the things that were most terrifying to the Jews which turned out in the end to have no substance because there was nothing but shallowness there whatever appearance it had for the moment all the last part of the book is the joy and the light and the honor and the, the triumph of the people of God as they're brought forth out of all these circumstances as the people of God will have deliverances in this world what a glorious deliverance they'll have in the culmination of all that God is doing and he brings everything to this triumphant end at the resurrection Amen Lord we thank thee for thy word we thank thee for manifesting who thou art in thy word for showing thyself to us in thy glory in thy majesty in thy greatness in thy awesomeness we bow and worship before thee thank thee for making us thy servants ask O Lord that thou wilt strengthen our hearts for the work that is before us give us grace to surmount every difficulty do thou, O Lord, lay thy hand upon us and bring forth thy blessing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.